aliens and flying saucers. What's up? Welcome to the 33rd episode of Two Writers Slingin' Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, a former ESPN columnist, author of multiple New York Times bestsellers, and a columnist for The Athletic. The music you're listening to is Croissant's Master by the great MC White Owl. And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from journalism, to songwriting, to screenwriting, to novels, to romance, to comics, to whatever genre I'm thinking of. And today's guest is an absolutely huge departure for me in this podcast, and I'd say a blessed one. I'm welcoming in Drew Snyder, who serves as the senior minister at the Ashland Christian Church in Ashland, Missouri. And what I really wanted to chat about was sermon writing, what it is, how is it done well, What's the goal? What are the mechanisms? Drew's 33, a really cool guy with long hair, some tattoos, an odd love of the Cincinnati Reds. So let's get religious right now on Two Writers Slinging Yang. All right, so first of all, um, Drew, thank you for joining me. I use this podcast mainly to talk about writing and to really dig deep into writing. And I've wanted to have uh, a minister or a rabbi or any sort of clergy on to talk about sermon writing. And, and you sent me a bunch of your sermons um, beforehand in the lead up. And, and I read one that uh, of the ones you sent me that really sort of did it for me. Um, I thought they were all excellent. I think you're an excellent writer. Um, I used to read your blog a lot. You're a former quaz, so I'm familiar with your writing. Um, you wrote a, uh, you wrote a, uh, you wrote a sermon called fear brimstone and the love of God which you gave, I guess, January 14th. And it's funny, in, in journalism, we call something a lead. I don't know if you call that when you're writing a sermon, but your lead is when I hear the word dinosaur, there's a very distinct picture that enters <laughs> my head. That's the way our brains work. We associate certain concepts and ideas with certain words. And when we hear those words, the concepts pop into our heads. Now, this is a sermon about, about hell. And you start with sort of an image <laughs> of dinosaurs. I'm actually fascinated in the thinking of how this happened. Like, why did you start? with sort of how you picture dinosaurs. Okay, so, you know, for me, like the whole process of putting together a sermon or a sermon series in this case, and this was the, the second week of a, of a month-long sermon series on the topic of hell. Uh, <laughs> for me, as I, as I do this, I'm looking at it as a whole. You know, I plan way ahead, and I always kind of know what's coming down the road. And so, in this particular instance, you know, I knew I was going to be doing a series on hell in... January, you know, I had that planned out, you know, months and months ago, and so I was actually on vacation in in Colorado in November, I think it was. I was out there for a wedding, and I love dinosaurs. Like I, that's legitimate. I absolutely love dinosaurs, and so mm -hmm. you know, I went to this this museum, and they told me a, a pterodactyl was not a dinosaur, and that absolutely blew my mind. And <laughs> you know, because <laughs> sounds stupid, but when I was a kid, you know, like the 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 starting lineup of dinosaurs like t-rex and triceratops and stegosaurus uh -huh. and brontosaurus and then there was always a pterodactyl like on every kid's sheet or every uh poster or whatever and so you know to find out that it's not a, a pterodactyl isn't really a dinosaur just absolutely just wrecked me and so i was i was thinking about you know with this series on hell you know the biggest thing i was trying to get across this whole time is look hell is is really not the way we've thought of it you know we think of hell in a very fearful way we think of it as a, a terrifying proposition, but, you know, I'm of the opinion that hell, there's some good news there. And so to get, you know, from one place to another to say, you know, we're going to be talking about hell, but we're going to be talking about hell in a different way than, than, you know, maybe people are used to. 
we're going to look at it from a, a different perspective. So for me, you know, just this idea that, you know, I know dinosaurs, I love dinosaurs, but apparently I don't know a whole lot about dinosaurs because I totally thought a pterodactyl was a dinosaur. That, to me, was kind of the same way with hell was, you know, hey, we all believe in hell. You know, we've all been taught about hell our whole lives, but maybe we don't know a whole lot about it. You know, the, the second thing then for that, the secondary advantage is hell is a really heavy topic. And this whole series, um, you know, sometimes, you know, the, what I preach is very light and fun and, you know, funny and encouraging and sometimes really challenging. And this is one of those where it was challenging. And I thought, you know, what better way to kind of lighten the mood than, than talk about dinosaurs, which, you know, if you don't love dinosaurs, you should. Finding out a pterodactyl isn't a dinosaur. It'd be like finding out that, like, uh, I know you're a Cincinnati Reds fan. It'd be like finding out yeah. that. Tony Perez never actually played for the Reds or only played five games for the Reds. It was all just a lie. He was not part of the big red machine. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's a, it's upsetting. It's an upsetting fact. So, um, yeah. And, and I, so for me, that was really what it was. And I think, you know, the other thing too, um, you know, I'm really careful and, and I know it doesn't always seem like it, you know, there's kind of an art, I think, to sounding like you're off the cuff, you know, almost yes. nothing I say is actually off the cuff. Um, everything I say is, is pretty well thought through. And so, you know, I'm not totally sure in your world if you're aware, uh, you know, there's kind of this massive um, debate or controversy with dinosaurs and kind of fundamentalism, fundamentalist Christianity, where, you know, some people, you know, argue about different things and, you know, how old is the earth and, you know, dinosaur bones and all that nonsense. And so for me, you know, I always try to add little things that, you know, if you're a visitor to my church for the first time and you hear me talking about dinosaurs and I'm taking for granted that scientists are right about dinosaurs. That communicates something, you know, whether you, you know, I don't have to say, hey, I trust science, <laughs> you know, oh, just like talking about dinosaurs. I'm able to say, you know, people are able to pick up, I mean, hopefully at least that, you know, mm -hmm. hey, he didn't say that the earth is 6,000 years or that, you know, evolution's a lie or whatever. He just talked about dinosaurs. So right. for me, a lot, you know, everything I'm doing, you know, there's always going to be, there's always a purpose behind it because, you know, I learned, you know, early on preaching that when I don't have a purpose for everything, I'm going to say something stupid and I'm going to upset somebody. And I'm totally fine upsetting people because that's part of the job, but mm -hmm. I don't ever want to upset somebody for something stupid. But the sermon you sent me is, is four pages, uh, single space. So it's a, it's a good chunky, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. you know, um, and I wonder, number one, how long does it take you to write your average sermon and how much research are you doing and where are you going for that research? That's a, an awesome question. And also a really hard question because for myself, you know, I, I get real bad anxiety about the fact that every single week, you know, I, I'm preaching 50 times a year. Um, and, you know, even, you know, I, I told you before, like, you, you know, I preach 50 times a year. Plus, you know, you've got Good Friday, you've got Christmas Eve. So really 52 times a year, I'm speaking in front of a group of people and it's being recorded and it's going online. And, you know, the idea of not knowing, you know, at least some direction that I'm going is really stressful for me. So, you know, I, I, I can tell you, I've got 2018 pretty well lined out, you know, the topic, the sermon title, the sermon series title, um, you know, how long I'm talking about a specific issue. Um, and so, you know, from that perspective, I'm kind of always planning, you know, if you look at, if you were to look at my phone notes, I have a million little notes. You know, like I said, I was in Denver, Colorado and, you know, guy blows my mouth with a pterodactyl. I immediately think, oh man, that's a really good, you know, analogy of this thing that I love, but I don't know much about, you know, I can use that later on. Right. So, you know, from that perspective, it's, it's kind of an ongoing thing where I am always, I'm always thinking through things, you know, for a long, long time, I, I use movies and sermons. And so a lot of times I'll be watching a movie and picking, 
thing and that sort of thing. And I've kind of moved away from that, but it's just kind of an, a constant, constantly thinking and planning and, and, and looking ahead. Um, as far as just, you know, writing time though, I mean, you know, I, I sit down, um, usually Monday, Tuesday, you, the earlier, the better for me because I, I like having, I like having as much time as possible. You all know, sit down and kind of work, do, do an outline usually first of where I want to go. I always start with the end. You know, I'm always starting with kind of the main point I'm looking for. And then I, I sort of work backwards from that. So, okay. So I've got this main point I'm trying to get across. Well, how do I get there? Well, if I'm going to get there, you know, through, you know, in this particular sermon, it was, I'm going to get to this main point through, you know, these historical, biblical, you know, stories of Gehenna. Well, most people don't, don't even know what that word is. So now I have to explain what that word is. Well, then I have to tell people why they care about that word. Um, and so you kind of outline it. And then, you know, it's just kind of uh, two, three, four hours of, of sitting down, knocking stuff out. Um, and then after that, it's, I, you know, I, I like doing that and, you know, getting that done Monday, Tuesday. Um, and then, Kind of gives the rest of the week just to kind of sit with it, and right. and then sometimes I will go back and say, "Man, I hate this. I don't know what I was thinking two days ago," and go back in and rearrange things and and change things. We have a uh, we have a running joke in our family, especially me with my kids. I don't know if my wife likes it as much, but we um uh, we're Jewish. We'll be sitting at synagogue, and we don't go that often. Uh-huh. But when we go, and the, and the and the rabbi will give a sermon, and we always have like a joke, my kids and I, about the boilerplate things he has to hit on. Like he'll always make some. <laughs> pop culture reference that is severely dated. Like he'll be like, when Moses took the tablets, he was getting jiggy with it. Like Will Smith <laughs> in the hit song. And so, all right, check, you know, like pop culture. Reference, yeah, definitely. Check. Definitely. You know, wrap up, you know, sort of make everyone feel good. Check. You know, like it seems like there are certain points you have to hit or yeah, definitely ways definitely. of getting audiences you know, so they're not just checking their iPhones or whatever during your sermon. Um, am I, are we way off on that? Or is there some truth to no, that? No, man, listen, that is, there's, so it's funny, you know, one of the things I, I kind of definitely have my own unique kind of spin on things. And a big part of that is I grew up in church. I love church. You know, I'm one of those guys, you know, one of the things I'm really bad at my job is, you know, trying to get people to go to church is really hard for me because, you know, if you tell me, Hey, we're getting together at church and we're going to have this Bible study or we're getting together at church, we're going to, play, you know, have a game night. We're doing like, I want to go. Dude, that's right. just the way I'm wired. Like I love church. You know, church was always a positive experience for me. And so it was always really heartbreaking when I find out it's not for other people. And I totally understand that. But so I, I struggle with, <laughs> with those things, but that means I have listened to so many sermons that are terrible in my life. What makes uh, it well, bad? Well, what yeah. Well, what you just said, um, I think irrelevancy for sure. You know, I think a lot of times, and, and I struggle with this too, you know, and, and you know, I'll be thinking about something that maybe absolutely nobody else is thinking about. You know, I'm reading it because I'm into theology. And so I think I assume someone else should care, but they don't. Um, and I found a lot of times what I don't want to talk about is what people care about. And what I do want to talk about, nobody gives a crap. And that's, <laughs> so I think for sure, a, re- a relevancy, you know, you, you don't want to write something or put something together, you know, put this time and effort and plan ahead. Um, and then it just is meaningless and nobody cares. So there's that. And then I think the other thing, big thing is just, you know, when it seems like it's, not very sincere, you know, the, the Will Smith getting jiggy with it is a classic example of, you know, trying too hard. And we were always taught, you know, in Bible college, you know, we were taught, you, you go to illustrations. I mean, there's illustration books out there, um, you know, that, hey, you're talking about grace. Here's 10 illustrations or here's 10 stories or whatever. And, is that and, helpful you know, or harmful? Always, no, no. If, I mean, no, terrible. it's terrible because I, well, you know, because it, it, I assume if somebody wrote it, wrote it in a book, you know, for one, that's somebody else's work. And I, 
you know, for better or worse, I'm me. And I, I don't want, I don't want that to, I don't want to ever come across as, you know, aping somebody else or acting like somebody else. I am myself, you know, for better or worse, you know, I'm flawed. You know, there's some good things about me. There's things that aren't so good, but I'm me and I'm genuine. And I think that's, you know, I think that's what makes, you know, the opposite of that makes a really bad sermon. If, 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 you know, the pastor, the preacher, the rabbi, whoever, you know, if he or she is just really, you know, they feel like they're acting or they feel like they're putting on a show. I mean, nobody wants to listen to that because to be right. honest, we're not good enough actors. You know, if I want to see somebody acting, I'll go watch a professional and that's not your right. rabbi. That's not your pastor. And, and so, so I, I really think that that's, that's a really difficult thing. And I think, you know, if, 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 you know, if your rabbi is, you know, shoehorning stuff in, that's who he is. I mean, this guy is, you know, early 2000s Bill Simmons. Cool. Okay. That's who he is. Right. But if, if he's just doing it because he thinks, oh, the kids like Will Smith, then, you know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> which, which is really funny because I just thought, mom, who's Will Smith? Now, yeah. He's you know, Jaden Smith's dad now. Um, right. So I, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's one thing for me. I have, you know, I'm not saying every sermon I've written is awesome. And I know it's not. Um, but I, I will say, you know, I, I've just seen so many and I've heard so many that just, you know, or just don't have a point. You know, I, either I remember there was a, there was a, in Bible college, we had these classes of, you know, preaching classes and they would just assign us these topics and you would draw them out of a hat essentially. And there was a, a student who was from another country and he was, he, he drew Mother's Day out, which, you know, if you're any preacher in the world, any rabbi, whatever, like what you do with Mother's Day, Father's Day, that kind of stuff, Fourth of July, I mean, that's always a big decision. And, you know, for my, you know, for myself, I actually just ignore it. I don't care because it's dumb, but, you know, we were told, you know, taught, hey, you know, pre preach your Mother's Day sermon. And this, I mean, this poor guy, like he was from a country that didn't celebrate Mother's Day. And he looked at it and was like, I don't know what this is. And so that guy's sermon was like 15 minutes of him just saying, like, today's Mother's Day. God loves mothers. Oh, my God. Right. And it was just, I mean, yeah, it was so it was. And I felt terrible for the kid because, like, you know, we're 18, 19 years old. You know, we're trying to uh, we're having to judge this guy's you know presentation here. Um, but sometimes it can feel like that is, you know, the, the guy wanted to talk about grace or racism or sexism or something, but they don't have anything to say. They just know they're supposed to talk about it. And so, right. Right. That's, um, yeah. You know, one thing that's interesting is um, so I'm reading your sermon and I'm thinking there, there is a pattern to it all. And, and it's, it's very similar yeah. to writing, actually, writing a story, which is you start with sort of an anecdote. You know, it's you and dinosaurs, or you, you have another sermon here that, that your first sentence is a great sentence. There was once a time when I thought that being a Christian meant having all the answers to all the deep questions of life. It was to me acing a lifelong test, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's, answering A or B or C at the appropriate time. It was above and beyond all else about being right. I believe that's what Christianity was, believing the right things about God and Jesus and people and life and death and whatever happens after that uh, happens after. So that's a great lead. Like that would be a great lead for a column in the New York Times. It's a great lead. And then, you know, you sort of, you start the lead. I mean, this is just the pattern of a, of a sermon, just like it's a pattern of an article. And then yeah. here's why I'm telling you this. And now I'm going to give you the information. Um, mm -hmm. and I wonder when you're writing a sermon, is it hard not to get bogged down once you get past? Here's my funny anecdote. Here's why I'm telling it to you. And here's the biblical reference. Here are all the biblical references I'm now going to talk to you about. Is it? Is it hard to still keep it snappy? And I wonder sometimes, do you look up and can you see when it's not working? Can you see when people are sort of, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's stupid about it and, and forever challenging is 
Man, there's so many times when I think it's awesome. Oh man, <laughs> like I think I'm just I'm killing kill it. Kill it. Yeah, and then I look out and like people are talking or they're playing on their phones or they're you know kind of falling asleep and you know and it's it's like man, this thing was awesome in my head and on paper and it's right. not now. And then there's other times when I just think yeah, whatever, this is dumb and you know people are super engaged and it's you know I I'm an idiot and I never know anything and that's I never know anything. I never know what's going to go well and what's not going to go well. Um, you know, I do think, I, to your point, I do, I do love writing the, the kind of anecdotal stuff. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've written something as an introduction or it's a, you know, a story or something that only vaguely has to do with a sermon. And I got to cut it because there's just, it's, you know, it's too long. It's too much. And it pains me because like that part was awesome. I loved that. You know, right. I loved that part of the sermon. But it wasn't what I was talking about. And so it has to be cut. And, and that is always painful. Wait, that's actually, so. that's actually really interesting because, um, so I teach journalism and I'll have these lessons where I'll be teaching and I'll think during the lesson, man, I'm just killing it. This is great. They're having a great time. Everyone's loving it. And then at the end, I'm like, wait a second. They didn't learn a thing from me right there. Like I told great stories yeah, and I was yeah, funny. Yeah. They didn't learn anything. Um, I could see that being a, a, an issue. Absolutely, yeah. Before we continue with our conversation with Drew Snyder here on Two Riders Sling and Yang, a quick word from our, believe it or not, sponsor. This is Jeff Perlman, and I'm here with my son, Emmett. Hi, Emmett. Hey, Dad. Emmett, what would you say we talk about more than anything else in this house? Poop. Right, but besides that. Jerseys. That's right, jerseys. We're a jersey family. I grew up wearing them, Emmett wears them. And when it comes to throwback jerseys, I've never, ever, ever seen a place as cool as 503 Sports. I gave 503 Sports as ad space in exchange for jerseys and t-shirts and hats. That's how much I love their stuff. Why? Because it's all throwback. We're talking USFL. We're talking World Football League. We're talking XFL, Minor League Baseball, Minor League Hockey, Old School Portland State. Or, put differently, if you're a man or woman who has long dreamed of owning a Brian Sipe New Jersey Generals jersey, and I am one of those people. Well, dreams come true. The merchandise at 503 Sports is handcrafted, and it's all priced very reasonably. So be like Emmett Perlman and visit 503-sports.com. And when you go to the site, use coupon code YANG18 to get 10% off your first purchase. How, how quickly does it, do you know that the sermon isn't working out? Pretty quick. <laughs> You know, and, and sometimes, it will, the good news, obviously, you know, one of the advantages of, of a sermon is, you know, if you write, you know, a newspaper column or you put something on the athletic or whatever, like, you know, you can't change it midstream. You know, you can't, you can't kind of, you know, riff on it or, you know, joke around with the, you know, with your audience because, you know, we're just looking at our phone and reading it or looking at a computer and reading it or looking at the paper. And so, there, you know, there's a lot of times where it's like, you know, hey, I, this isn't working so well. So, you know, let me kind of, you know, change my tone or change my cadence or, you know, really maybe emphasize a, a different point or kind of move on quickly from a point if it's not working out. You know, especially anytime I make any sort of joke, man, like I have, I have aborted jokes mid joke before because it's just not going to work. That's just kind of it. But I do, you know, that is, that is a beautiful advantage of, you know, speaking is, you know, obviously, there is the, there's the, the sermon, there's the text, there's what I've written, there's what I want to get across, but then also there's the actual delivery. And so there's, you know, an opportunity to, to change that. So 
I was looking up Ashland and the demographics of Ashland are, are pretty there. It's kind of like the town I grew up in. It's very, very white. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, in, in Missouri on Facebook, you seem disappointed. You don't, I feel like your posts on Facebook are not really about Trump so much as Christianity's response to Trump and that you've been very sort of disappointed that people who identify uh, as Christians are just kind of going along with some of these things. And, and I segue that into, can you use a sermon? Is it okay to use a sermon to dive into issues like that, to touch on politics? Or is that a quick ticket to losing your job and losing your congregation? I mean, I think it's both. I think it's a quick ticket to losing my job, but I also think that it's, I think it's necessary. You know, you, you, you talk about things like, you know, immigration or, you talk about, you know, how you view people of color. You talk about, you know, we've, we've got Nazis marching in the street. You know, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I remember, you know, one of the sermons I preached, obviously, you know, everything in Charlottesville happened this, this summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to preach a sermon the next day. And every preacher in America had a choice at that point. You know, do you go with what you've got? Um, do you, do you, you know, scratch it and, and start something new? And I, I know a lot of people I, I've totally respected that. Um, you kind of just add something to it. And, and I kind of went with that one. And I, I sort of just tacked something onto the end. Look, everybody knows this is happening. You know, you got Nazis marching the streets and somebody died yesterday. And at that right. point, you know, we didn't know what the response from our president was going to be. If I recall, there hadn't been one yet. You know, that didn't come until Monday. And so, you know, it was, you know, people were, that was what people were talking about. And so, you know, I, you know, I ended up going, it turned out, you know, I thought my sermon was actually fairly appropriate. It was actually a sermon. Um, it was a part of a series on Jonah where we were talking about, um, you know, loving our enemies and how everyone has value. And so, you know, I was able to kind of segue into, you know, kind of having a discussion there. But it's tough because, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be uncharitable to people, but, you know, to me, there's just certain things that just kind of go without saying, you know, you don't get to call certain, you know, country shitholes and right. also call yourself a follower of Jesus. And yet there's people who disagree with that. And, and so I think. You know, where politics and ethics and morals kind of cross, I think are, you know, that's, that's where my job comes in. Um, obviously, you know, I have less than no interest in trying to tell people how to vote or whether they should vote. Um, you know, in that way, as a pastor, I'm definitely just kind of a, you know, an ear a lot of times to, to listen to people. But, you know, it is funny. I, I remember during the primaries, um, back when all of us were so naive and we thought, you know, Trump doesn't have a chance. I remember, you know, there was a specific joke uh, about Trump and I don't know exactly, I don't even remember what it, what it was, but uh, I, you know, I, I made some joke about something Trump had said that, you know, had been on the news and everybody just died laughing except for one dude who was a visitor and he never came back. He was quite perturbed, it seemed. Um, and, <laughs> but everybody else laughed about it. And then, you know, it was funny, because, you know, it's not funny, but you, you, as, as you move, move forward in time, suddenly that joke is not funny. Because right. this thing that we were all laughing about before, and now it's now these same people who laughed are presented with these, you know, these two unpalatable choices to them. And and they're trying to now just, you know, they're justifying in their own minds why voting for Trump is is something that that's OK. And, you know, it's not funny anymore and you don't want to talk about it anymore. And, you know, that's always tough because as, as we look at religion, as we look at the Bible, especially it is so political. I mean, so, so it's so much about social justice. I mean, the story of the Hebrew people is, you know, a story about uh, a nation, you know, that's enslaved and, and it, you know, gains their freedom and then has to figure out how do we live as a nation. And they're doing so with a, a distinct set of rules called the law of Moses. And then, 
you know, Jesus is born into a world where there's Roman occupy, you know, Rome is occupying Israel. It's basically a war zone. And, you know, and so, you know, Jesus calls these different disciples, and one of them is a tax collector, you know, somebody who's totally sold out to the empire. One of them is a terrorist, you know, he's Simon the Zealot. Um, that's a nice way for, you know, to say that's a guy who wants to kill all the Romans. You know, and so it's an incredibly political book, the Bible is. And yet we, <laughs> you really get yourself in hot water because we try to divorce ourselves from it, and, and you can't. And so I think, you know, in everything I preach, you know, I always tell everybody all the time, look, you don't have to agree with me, and that's, that's fine. You know, we're on the same page insofar as we're all trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. You know, we all want to trust Jesus. But, you know, I don't expect everybody to, 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 to agree with me or to believe what I believe. Um, I do expect them to be nice, though. And I think, you know, to, you know, the disappointment has just kind of been, you know, there's just certain types of things, you know, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll admit, you know, I voted for leaders who disappointed me. And it's odd to me, you know, for, for so many within the church, especially, it's like, you know, and that's maybe another topic other than writing, but it, it you know, you look at, you know, you, you look at the church and it's like, oh, the church won, you know, 80% of people voted for Trump in the church. And, you know, oh, we won. And so we have to protect that at, at all costs, you know, even the cost of, you know, you know, our own decency sometimes. And that's so, so hard um, because I can't pretend like it's not existing. I can't pretend like we don't live in America in 2018. Right. The good news is, though, I mean, basically, I always I, everybody always just assumes that, that I agree with them. And that's one of the great things um, about being a pastor is I think most people just kind of assume, well, Drew disagrees with all the other people, but he and I are on the same page. Oh, that's funny. You're like, yeah, about that. Well, I was going to say, I, I actually think, because um, I read something you wrote that I read, I, it actually hit me last night. Which you wrote, um, my biggest disappointment over the last year has not been the discovery that our president is heartless and corona mean spirited. To be honest, I sort of expected that as I'm long past being surprised by anything any politician says or does. So I feel the same way. My biggest disappointment has been instead the discovery of so many of my brothers and sisters in Christ cheering on pre- our president and saying amen to the heartlessness, cruelty, and mean-spiritedness. Maybe I'm being naive, but it just seems to me that people should claim Jesus as a Lord and Savior and ethical guide to have a much different moral compass than what comes from Washington. And I actually think, I don't think Trump has damaged the reputation of faith. What I think has happened is people, like I'm a guy with not that much faith. And when I see people of faith cheering on a man who says some of the things he said and, and not just cheering him on, but agreeing with him. It yeah, causes yeah, me to yeah. wonder whether this whole faith thing is really the bag that people are talking about, because you're like, well, if you have faith and you read the Bible and you love Jesus and you're sitting through these sermons that are so passionate and sort of so righteous and you still are okay with the things this man is saying, what exactly is the point of faith to begin with? And what is the sales job to me? If I see you, you behaving this way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, <laughs> I mean, outside of just decency for decency's sake, and I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, you should do the right thing, not because you're going to get a reward, but because it's the right thing. It's the right thing. But outside of that, I mean, there are absolutely some, some, you know, some absolutely tangible things that are happening. You know, you are not alone. You are one of, you know, a, t- a ton of people who have told me basically the same thing that, you know, look, I, why should I be a Christian? <laughs> why, why should I want what you have? Um, you know, why should I be enamored at all with what your faith looks like if all it does is, you know, turn you into a shill for Fox News? 
I don't like Fox News. <laughs> so no. if, if all your if, if your if your faith is telling me, even if you do like Fox News, you know, well, I can do Fox News without Jesus. You know, right. I don't have to have Jesus to you know to get involved. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely, and that's a struggle because you know, as I'm is looking at my audience, I mean, you know, I'm always looking at the goal, the end in mind, and and so the end goal of every sermon, you know, there's kind of there's the micro point, there's kind of the macro point. You know, the micro point is mm-hmm. okay. I'm talking about hell. I, you know, I want us to think about hell in a different way. I want us to understand the historical things. You know, when he says Gehenna as opposed to hell, you know, you know, I've got a church member and she's amazing and sort of insulting. And she says, look, all of your sermons are the same. You're just telling us to, to love other people. At the end of the day, like, that's all you're saying is to love other people. And I mean, it, it kind of yeah, sucks that right. like, you know, it's kind of transparent. Like that is actually what I'm saying, but it's also like, I'm glad she's listening. Cause yeah, that's the point. Um, right. and so, you know, how the church loves other people in the age of Trump is a fascinating question because, you know, this, this, I support in the sense of I voted this way and will probably continue to vote this way versus I, I support just being mean. I mean, that's something that's just really, it's, it's something everybody has to answer. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help, but it's, you know, everybody's got to do it for themselves. And, you know, unfortunately, everybody's got to live with themselves and, I, I just, I, I, I've, to be frank, I've had conversations. I'm just not sure how they do it. So. Wait, I just want to say, I remember when I was covering sports and, um, a lot of athletes, it became the Vogue thing. So first the Invoke thing after the Malcolm X movie came out was the X hats. But then when that kind of faded, you have the, what would Jesus do bracelets? And I was oh, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now would be a great time for those bracelets because I actually think it's a hell yeah, of a question absolutely. that people would ask themselves at this point. Um, but how do you research your sermons? We'll get back to that. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, for me, look, my mom was a school teacher and I, um, you know, I was taught, you know, I've been reading as long as I can remember. And so for me, I, I think there's very, there are very few things in life more valuable than reading. And so I'm constantly, you know, most of what I preach is basically something that sparked a thought of what I was reading a couple years ago, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, you know, there's, there's definitely a bunch of authors that, that I kind of go to, whether it's blogs or books or sermons. You know, my favorite pastor in America, um, is Nadia Boltz Weber, a Lutheran lady in, in Denver, Colorado. And she was posting, you know, she posts her sermons online. And so I love being able to read those. So kind of always looking at that. And, um, you know, and then it's just, you know, I've, I've got, you know, research books, encyclopedias, depending on what it is, um, commentaries, you know, kind of a whole thing. But, you know, the other thing too is, you know, Look, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're dealing in a lot of history here. And so, you know, I, you know, if I'm doing a sermon on the Old Testament, um, I will absolutely look out, look out for, uh, you know, Jewish sources. You know, it's, you know, with all due respect, we sort of stole your Bible, man. And so yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, okay. you know, I have the, yeah, uh, I have the utmost respect for, you know, um, you know, Jewish sources of things, of, of history, of theology. Um, you know, of, of where, you know, what, how that developed. Um, you know, so for me, I'm just kind of constantly on the lookout. And so for me, the other thing too is, you know, I'm, I'm at an independent church. And one of the things that's so hard in ministry is, you know, we, we get out of Bible college, we get a seminary and we're kind of presented with these two ideas as, as preachers, as pastors. Those two ideas, you know, we're presented with this idea that we're always supposed to be growing. Okay. Like you're always supposed to grow in your faith. Always, 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 you're always supposed to be learning, learning new things exposing yourself to new ideas always. And that's awesome. But then the other thing is for most of us, you know, we're supposed to defend what our church teaches. You know, like if I'm Baptist and I start teaching things that the Baptists don't believe, I'm going to get fired. 
So if I happen to grow into such a, an understanding of the scriptures that contradicts what the Baptists teach, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm in some trouble. I've got a choice to make. You know, I have a little bit of that, you know, with just being, you know, in a, in a conservative town, um, in a, in a, you know, a pretty conservative place. But, you know, one of the beautiful things about being independent is I am able to kind of not have to, to, to agree with any one group of the church, which is, I think, amazing because I'm able to kind of look and say, you know, hey, the Catholics have got some really good things to say or, you know, I don't really like what they have to say. And that's great. I don't have to defend it. <laughs> um, right. Or, you know, the Orthodox Church or, you know, the, the Protestants or this part of the Protestants or whatever. And that's, you know, so for me, one of the things I always look at, you know, like with this health series specifically, um, as I've kind of gotten into some of the more tricky or, you know, kind of, you know, provocative, controversial things, you know, I try to say anything that I've sourced once. You know, if, if, if random person says it, great, awesome, interesting, but I don't know that I want to repeat it because I, I don't know, you know, with very few exceptions, I don't know that I totally trust what one person has to say. But you know, if, if I can find a source that, you know, is from the Orthodox Church and from the Catholic Church and from, you know, the Protestant Church and from, you know, an Anglican Church, if I can find, you know, sources from all of those and they're all saying the same thing, you know, on a historical level, that to me has a lot of weight. You know, I right. want to make sure, especially with this health series, that was, you know, I, you know, I've, I, I've definitely said some things that are maybe outside of what people are used to thinking of. Um, and I've had, a, you know, a couple of people challenge me on some of that stuff. But again, you know, you're not arguing with me and I, I, you're arguing with, with, with all sorts of these other sources. Um, and I can give you four, five, six sources on anything I'm doing. Um, and maybe they're all wrong, but they're all in agreement. <laughs> and right. so, you know, I'm doing my best to kind of, you know, to kind of convey the truth as I, as I can understand it. And that can be really hard with theology. Um, that can be really hard with history, but one, that is one of the beautiful things about being independent is I have the ability to kind of do that and to say, you know, Hey, I don't, I'm not beholden to one, one idea. You know, I don't have a, a denomination that I have to uphold this, this creed or this confession. You know, I can kind of look at the church as a whole. I can kind of look at history as a whole and, and look at it from that perspective. And I, th I think that gives me an integrity that maybe, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I think sometimes goes, goes lacking in a church, um, in so other not, churches, you know, in a denomination. You, it's not a single Wikipedia search. That's not your research. Hell, yeah, no, oh, not at oh, all. Wikipedia, oh, yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, that means you uh, better they, than they a lot of journalists. <laughs> don't tell me that. So I, uh, no, that's, I, but you, the, 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 for a lot of people, you know, their single search is, well, I opened up, you know, the book of common prayer that my denomination gave me. And this is what they said. But we are all grasping. I and mean, we're talking about God. We're talking about a being that is so far beyond what, what we can understand. So, you know, if he, if God exists, if God doesn't exist, I mean, we're all just betting on some of these things. So, you know, I, I definitely don't, I don't want to just present one perspective or one idea. I want to, you know, to the best of my ability, as I'm researching, as I'm looking, as I'm studying, as I'm sharing, I want to make sure I'm giving everyone kind of a fair shake. Let me throw a final question at you. I want to read a passage to you from uh, the probably the most influential sermon in my life. And I want to see A, what you think of it, and B, if you can identify it. Are you ready? Perfect. Okay. I'm standing up here before you today with a very troubled heart. You see, my friends, I've always insisted on taking responsibility for your lives. But I'm really like a first-time parent who makes mistakes and tries to learn from them. And like that parent, I find myself at that moment when I have to decide, do I hold on or do I trust you to yourselves? Let go and hope that you're, you've understood 
at least some of my lessons. If we don't start trusting our children, how will they ever become trustworthy? I'm told that the senior class at the high school has gotten use of the warehouse and basin for the purpose of putting on a senior dance. Please join me to pray to the Lord to guide them in their endeavors. Can you tell me where that is from? Man, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm old enough to be able to do this. Um, I know that's from that movie about the dancing. Oh, uh, bro. Only, I know, loose, I'm terrible. Man. I'm sorry. Footloose, that's <laughs> it. I've never seen that, man. Listen, as my, listen, as a, as a, as a pastor, one of the things I do all the time is, you know, if you invite me to something, I usually go. I've seen that play put on a couple of times, um, by, you know, students. And, and so vaguely know the story, but yeah, that's good. That's, uh, wait, this is very disappointing that's a good that you, um, well, I'm just saying you went to the Central Christian College of the Bible, correct? <laughs> yeah. Right? That, and they didn't show yeah, you Footloose. Yeah. They did not show you the Reverend Shaw Moore's sermon in Footloose. I feel like you, you know, need to get your money back from the college because that's <laughs> crap right there. <laughs> you know, I should probably just get it. But no, I, yeah, I totally resonate with that. That is, I think that's absolutely, that's actually a good sermon. That's not bad. I, I really like it. Well, uh, listen, Drew, I, uh, I appreciate you doing this very much. You're an, you're a, Fantastic writer. I'm not just saying that. Like a really fantastic writer, and the uh, the sermons are great, and I, I appreciate it very much. Appreciate that. It means it means a whole lot coming from you. I want to thank today's guest, Drew Snyder, for joining me on Two Writers Thing and Yang. You can learn more about Drew and the Ashland Christian Church by visiting www.connectcallcultivate.com. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, king of the throwback sports merchandise. Visit the website at www.503-sports.com. One can listen to Two Writers Sling and Yang on iTunes, and reviews are always appreciated. Music by the great MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me, and remember, keep writing.